Blog Talk Radio. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Father God, we just praise you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to be able to use this electronic ecclesia, these uh, technologies that um, are still yet available even in the midst of the um, the end times timeline that we're in right now. Um, Father, we praise you and thank you that uh, Obama is still on the scene. Um, there are so many, as you know, well, of course you know, Father, that um, believe that he is going to ultimately rise up to be the Antichrist. And uh, he certainly has shown all, all the signs to indicate that that will be the case. And we praise you for that because it keeps us on the edge of our seats and, it get, and continue, continues to feed us with hope that we uh, all need and able to endure the days they were, that we are in right now with um, anticipation of soon departure. And we just praise you, Father God, for, uh, you know, um, instilling in in many of us, uh, maybe it comes in waves. For me, it has come, it has come in the past in the form of waves where I would be highly motivated for a period of time and then lose that motivation through trials and tribulations and then gain it back. Kind of a roller coaster uh, of uh, emotions and, and varying levels of physical strength as well as spiritual strength. But Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you will continue to touch each one of us wherever it is we are in our walk. Some of us are probably in periods of respite where we have uh, a good control of ourselves and a good grip on our walk and where we are, maybe some joy and peace at, at, at this uh, juncture, even as unlikely as that could be for some of us, uh, depending on our circumstances. But nevertheless, we thank you for wherever, wherever we are in our walk and we surrender ourselves completely and utterly into your hands. And we, we ask you, Father, to continue to nurture us, to continue to chasten us whenever we need to be chastened, to continue to test us as we need to be tested, to be uh, grown and uh, uh, never to, to settle in at a particular place, uh, but to always be continuing forward in our sanctification process, uh, even though that may require some knocking back down, some some really kind of metaphorical beatings uh, for us to be able to build ourselves back up or through the presence of the Holy Spirit and your works and our and our your work on us. Uh, to bring us to a new place or a new place of understanding, even though it may be a painful transition to go through. But we praise you for that, Father, because we don't want to be anything but the tax collector in the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. We we don't want to make the awful mistake that so many have of presumptuous sin. We want to continuously have a contrite spirit. We want to be like Paul and have that thorn in the flesh. We want to be kept humble, and and but at the same time uh, on track and walking in harmony. Even if we have to fight ourselves out of a ditch that perhaps we have fallen into, broken our ankle on this uh, long metaphorical race through life uh, in pursuit of glory, which we look forward to more than ever before, if that is even possible. And we just, you just pray that, you, Father, that all of the scriptures that you have, so many of them, that uh, profess that our allegiance to you through prayer, through fear, will result ultimate, ultimately in divine protection and um, additional um, uh, uh, rewards um, that, that are both, uh, you know, rewards of our life at this moment in time, rewards in our life in the future, and rewards in our life eternally. Uh, 
And we pray in Jesus' name that you will continue to, to, to strengthen us in both our physical health as well as our uh, spiritual health and purify us, Father, in our walk. Straighten out, smooth out that narrow path in the name of Jesus, we pray. Help us to avoid scraping against the guardrails as much as possible, particularly those of us that are highly sensitive and, and, and tend to um, you know, suffer from emotional sw- mood swings at times because of many different dynamics that may exist in our walk uh it's it's not that you know each one it's not that any one of us is is necessarily going through a harder time than anyone else uh we understand father and we praise you for this that each one of our walks is custom created for us and to bring us and and, and has everything to do not only with who we are you know as you created us uh you know body soul spirit flesh and heart but also uh, where we will be in the days to come and what tri- what tr- what difficulties we may have to navigate uh, as part of that which was written about us since before there was time. Psalm 139, verse 16. Praise you, Jesus. Help us to walk in those works, Ephesians 2.10. Father, that you have laid out for us that we would please you. And Lord Jesus, that even as imperfect, imperfect as we are, as many times as we have slipped and fallen, um, that you're always there praying for us, that you're always our advocate and, and that we should, you know, continue through humility and true compassion and love to run this race, uh, maybe breaking an ankle here and there and slipping and falling here and there, but to run this race with perseverance, just like it says in Revelation 3.10, because you have kept my command to persevere. I will keep you from the hour of trial, which comes to try those who reside upon the earth. And Father, we don't want to be here at that time. And we pray in the name of Jesus that every single one of us will not only be called, because we already know that we've been called, but will be chosen ultimately to be part of the bride. And we pray, please, Father, in Jesus' name, if there is any any adjustments that need to be made in our walk, any adjustments that need to be made in the way that we feel about things emotionally, our understandings of Scripture, what is necessary for us to be in total harmony with your will. If anything needs to change, we pray that that change will come upon us now, no matter what it takes, no matter how difficult it is to endure, because we do not want to miss the barley harvest. And we pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, please, that you will find us worthy to escape, not only, not only to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth, in whatever manner that you see fit, even if that's the Isaiah 57 one us home early, that we will be found worthy. And not only to stand before Jesus, but also to maybe just be chosen as part of that first fruits harvest, that barley harvest. As we enter into Passover, as we enter into that season right now even, We just give you praise and honor, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for all the uh, amazing types and shadows and symbolism that exists around this very particular, you know, this this holiday, this incredible um, period of time, Feast of the Lord uh, period that um, 
blesses us in uh, in in many multiple dynamics, not just uh, in the evangelical uh, sort of way. Uh, I don't like that term, but not not only in in the true Christian sort of way, but also in uh, with with respect to the understandings that you have pre- provided us. And, and, and again, the types and shadows that existed uh, with the, that were associated with the three days of darkness and the Passover period that the Israelites went through. And um, it's just an amazing thing to be even allowed, considered, to be able to partake and be a part of this entire movie. This is your movie, Father. You know when the fullness of the Gentiles will be called in, and you know... It's not up to us. We are already ultimately blessed beyond, there's no way to state it, it's beyond any human way that we could possibly articulate that which you have blessed us with. Even as we go through the difficult times, sometimes trials, sometimes tribulations, sometimes downright almost impossible to stand uh, challenges that we face in our walks on this earth. But yet at the same time, we have no idea what you are preparing us for and how exciting and amazing this journey will be. Our only expectation would be that it's far, far more amazing than what we're able to derive from the scripture and imagine. With the greatest anointed, Holy Spirit-filled imagination that we could possibly have. We thank you for this opportunity. We praise you for this evening. We thank you for the days ahead, no matter how difficult they become. And also, Father, we ask you for forgiveness. As it says in the Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive us of our sins, really. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. And Father, Purify us. Continue that purification process until the day of departure, we pray. That maybe we are found worthy. We thank you for the opportunity to run this race. To limp. To crawl. To struggle. But ultimately to cross that finish line. In whatever way that you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Tonight. Tonight is April the 15th of 2022, the 14th of Nisan, 5782. The next holiday is Passover, um, uh, Passover again, which is April the 16th of 2022. So this is uh, the Erev Passover or the Eve of Passover or the Eve of Passover as of today. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. How awesome. And tonight together we light the Sabbath candles. Or the Shabbat candles, if you prefer. I'm having to do a little bit of a stretching session here to reach them because my seven-hour tea candles here are pretty burned down, pretty low. Praise God. I like the light three, one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. The time now is 7.15 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And boy, if we didn't believe it before, if we're paying attention to what's happening in the world right now, There's no question. We give you all the glory. Amen. The Hebrew Kaddish. 
Aruchata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Bore Peri Hagafen Baruchata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav Veratzavanu Vishabat Kodsho Be'avahu V'ratzon in Chilanu, Zikaron Lemase Vereshit. Ki Huyom Techila Lemikra Ekodesh, Zechelitziat Mitzrayim. Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabhat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, himchaltanu. Baruch Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now, now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I have planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. Slander 
her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be those of his own household he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me he who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me he who finds his earthly life will lose it He who loses his earthly life for my sake will find it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits all of eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit 
to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, in accordance with Isaiah 57:15, that we, whatever, wherever we are in our walk and however we feel about ourselves, and oftentimes as we are instructed, correctly so through the wisdom, the things that we perceive ourselves as are often not at all the way others perceive us. And it is indeed the way others perceive us that is the reality that has escaped us. Therefore, we turn our hands, our, we turn ourselves, the very essence of ourselves, over into your hands. And we pray, Father, that if our hearts are not where they need to be, if they are not truly contrite and humble, if we are not being the Beatitudes as opposed to reading them, we ask you, Father, to chasten us now, to judge us now, to do the things that are necessary in our lives to bring us to that place where we are at least making positive progress in our sanctification and the journey that we have been set upon to please you. For many of us, we praise you because you are all we have in our lives. Oh, we we may have some token uh, attributes and people and things in our lives that are a part of our lives to some degree or another, but not, not really. It, doesn't, it's, it has no real true deep satisfaction the way that it does when we seek you and seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. It is dwelling in that secret place of the Most High. It is keeping our mind stayed on things above and not on things of this world. It is being ultimately enemies of this world and friends with you, but yet at the same time sojourners and servants of mankind. High and lifted up is our Father. We praise you. And we thank you also, Father, for lifting us up, helping us to understand that we are sojourners in this world and that we are here for a calling. Once we have been born of the water of the woman and then born again in the Spirit, the transition begins to take place where, whereby we each slowly become and, trans, and, and move into the position of a royal priest, 1 Peter 2.9. And that doesn't make necessarily the walk that much easier by any stretch, but it does certainly empower us in new ways that we don't understand and maybe have yet to learn how to wield and we praise you, Father, and thank you for this journey. And we praise you, Father, and we thank you for the chastening. We thank you, Father, for the challenges. We thank you, Father, for the testing. We thank you, Father, for the refiner's fire. And we praise you, Father, for the times of peace that come to us. They may be few and far between in this journey, and particularly in this time on the earth. But when they come, they are beautiful. They are very peaceful. And we wonder to ourselves somehow, how was it even possible that we struggled so when we did? We praise you for the grace that you have given us, the mercy that you continue to bestow upon us. And we ask you forever and ever to be close to us as our dear Father, our Abba Father, grafted onto the olive tree for all of eternity. 
we give you praise. For you have made the two into one, Jew and Gentile. And as it says in Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, man nor woman. We are all one in the body of Christ. We thank you for helping us to transition to that understanding because that brings us to the very edge of being able to perceive that our transition has already started. Sometimes the glory light within us grows bright, dim, then bright, bright, then a little dim, and then bright, 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 and then a little more dim as we continue up that hill, that journey, trying not to slip and fall too far down it. We thank you, Father, for this journey. We praise you for preparing us for the days that we have ahead. We're excited about the days that we are in right now, even though it's sometimes when we look forward, it appears to be a walk of 10,000 cuts. But at the same time, (laughs) we praise you, Father. Father, you have an incredible sense of humor. (laughs) Folks, right now in the middle of this prayer, I am looking over at an Echo Show 5 that is sitting on my desk here in the Golden JIB studios, and it is displaying the Newsweek article with Obama on it, and the subtitle on the front page of Newsweek is The Second Coming. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just praise your holy name, and we thank you for the time that we have to spend with you now and forever. With you, our Lord Jesus, we praise you. Hallelujah and amen. Our Father, which art Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our days as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our hearts, our soul, our spirit, our mind, our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire. We praise you. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we pray for ourselves and our loved ones. Father, we know that in some cases, in some cases, not all, uh, that our loved ones perhaps uh, are not where they need to be in their walk. Perhaps they are even unbelievers. But yet at the same time, Father, we pray that you will allow us to, well, of course you will, uh, in accordance with your scripture, to include them in prayers of divine protection that we might experience a breakthrough. 
We know that this requires as a third-party prayer uh, for us to be perseverant about it and continuous about it because some, that breakthrough may not happen for quite some time. But we're going to include them as we always do. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus for your holy fire. A thorny hedge of protection and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to swirl around about us and to swirl around about like a fire tornado, a glorious white hot fire tornado that encapsulates our prayers, busts through the firmament of the rock, the evil crust that, that uh, the outer layer of the spiritual realm where the demons reside and the principalities and powers in this, what's often referred to as the second heaven, but is more appropriately referred to as the air. Father, we just praise you for making it so bright and hot that it scatters the demons of darkness in all directions. We pray in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ that at the very moment that any entity of the darkness, worker of saint and live or dead human spirit or member of a witch coven, for any reason, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, at the moment that they set their wills against us, we decree the holy fire of God to shoot down from the glory pillar and to burn them in the screaming and horrific agony. In accordance with Colossians 2.15, we bind it before the courts of heaven against them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. But they shall be made a public spectacle thereof in Jesus' name and in front of all of the entities of the darkness that reside in that realm scattering the darkness in all directions. Any weapons, earthly or spiritual, we pray in the name of Jesus and declare in Jesus' name that the fire of God will vaporize them. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that any uh, demonic contracts raised against us or our loved ones, we tear them up in front of the demons of darkness. And we pray in Jesus' name that the demons of darkness that signed those contracts will be burned into screaming agony and cast into the pit. We cancel all demonic assignments against us in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And we declare that holy fire to burn and vaporize all fiery darts that are launched against us. Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus for that holy fire to swirl around about our dwelling place, to be blown white hot by the, the presence of the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit, Father God. We pray in the name of Jesus for warrior angels to stand guard at the front of, in front of our dwelling places. If we get into an automobile, wherever we go, we pray that the angels are following us and protecting us in the mighty name of Jesus, and we are surrounded by that holy fire. Pray in the name of Jesus for a platoon of warrior angels on a search and destroy mission to be assigned to us. Delta Force, SEAL Team 7 angels, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that would ferret out all attempts to come against us that are indirect and outside of our purview. That they will shut down all demonic portals and arrest, place under arrest, strike deaf, blind, and dumb any demon that attempted to come against us indirectly, and cast them into the pit in the fire. We'll burn them where they sit. Weld the pit shut, and we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that any of these entities that attempt to come against us, in Jesus' name, any demons that would allow these entities to even come through their regions to attack us, we command in Jesus' name that they be immediately cut off from ever receiving power from the kingdom of darkness again. We require the immediate disbursement of all of their funds from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We require the immediate destruction of all their books and artifacts of sorcery. And we require the immediate reversal of all of their schemes, cancellation of all of their assignments. Penalties applied in the name of Jesus into the pit. Thank you, Father. Father, we declare this holy fire around about our loved ones. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, we pray that you will draw them in closer. We ask you, in accordance with the, the power that you have given us as a royal priesthood in 1 Peter 2.9 and the scriptures that we have read so many times on this program, 
Father, we forgive them. We are we are being give, we have been given the permission through your scripture, John twenty twenty five. Thank you, Father God, and we forgive them and we pray that you will forgive them too. Father, we lift them up before you and we pray in Jesus' name for a breakthrough in their lives. Continue to draw them in even closer. We know sometimes things are not visible to the, to us because you are working on them spiritually, deep. In, in deep sleep and, and, and uh, outside of our view. For blessed is he who believes and has not seen. And we do believe and we stand upon the promises of Mark 11:23. We stand upon promises of your scripture, Father God, all the John 14, 13, 12, 13, and 14. All of the promises whereby you promise us that the things that we ask for in faith we will receive. We know we will. And we thank you for it. Father, we praise you for saving the souls of our loved ones. We praise you. We are not asking you, Father. I don't think it would be fair for any of us. It's okay. We, I know that we are allowed to ask you this. could lead us to depression, sadness, because we may not see the manifestation of our prayers immediately. Therefore, Father, we just walk in faith as we are, are, are asked to and rewarded for doing so. And we praise you and we thank you because we know that you're going to save the souls of our loved ones. Some of us may be seeing some encouraging changes. Some of us may have seen some awesome changes. Some of us may have seen absolutely no changes. But we know, Father God, that you are going to answer these prayers because you are not a man that you would lie. We know what your word says and we thank you for it. We thank you for saving their souls. We thank you for saving their souls. Whatever it takes, whatever your choices are, Father, whatever they have to go through, we know that we will see them in glory. We praise your holy name and thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise your name. Glory be to God. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret fault. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Isn't that interesting? To be kept back from your, to be cleansed from your secret faults. This is one of the reasons why, I, wow, this is like a confirmation for me because I'm seeing something that I didn't see before in this scripture. I was so focused on the presumptuous sins part of it that it hadn't hit me the scriptural clause prior to it where it says cleanse me from my secret sins this is tantamount to saying father in the name of jesus forgive me for even those sins which i am unaware that i have committed i've done that for years but never really saw any scripture to back it that's okay that I mean everything that's in the bible is true but not everything that's true is in the bible however when you do see the confirmation scripturally, that makes it even more powerful and exciting. Cleanse me from my secret faults. If there are secret faults, you don't know about them, do you? Praise God. Let them not have dominion over me, and then I shall be blameless. And I shall be innocent of great transgression. Humble my heart Humble 
Lord, let me always long for you and humble my heart. you could hear the music in the same fidelity that I'm able to hear it, but I know that's not the case because it, you know, it's going into the studio at Blog Talk Radio in New York, and then it's getting converted into a much lower grade of audio on, but that's a good thing. Uh, And why that's a good thing is because there are people all over the world, believe it or not, that don't have the band. They're still using modems. (laughs) They're using, you know, dial-up modems in many, many parts of the world that do not have the ability to download these programs if they were any, you know, if they were high definition or whatnot. So um, I, I, I could give you all kinds of interesting testimonies about that, but I wanted to share this with you. Just in case, uh, you know, if you might be interested in probing around in some of the music that we play on this program, a lot of it, you know, is, is, uh, you know, stuff that we play pretty regularly, but uh, other times there is different ones, songs that we toss in here and there. But anyway, I wanted to let you know, because it is a common question, praise God. Uh, 
If you go to tribulation-now.org or tribulationnow.com or tribulation-now.com or tribulation-now.net or whatever one you chose, it will go to the same website. And from there, if you're on a mobile device, you'll have these like, you know, that three-line horizontal line menu. And you click and then it'll drop down and you scroll down until you come to the white links on a black background. And if you're using a PC, then the links will probably just be right there in front of you on a regular web browser. And again, it's white links on a black background. And when you see those links, you scroll through them. Um, It should be relatively near the top of the list of links. You should see a link that is entitled Prayer Vigil Music. And from that, you will have access to... um, the um, now he now he prefers. I, I've met him actually. Believe it or not, the, the the gentleman, the kind brother in Christ that just sang that song. He actually sings that song. He sings uh, the songs that we wrap around the communion. Um, a number of the the pieces that we play on this program are by Brother Dan, and he's a relatively young guy from uh, Norway. Um, but he was going to, I don't know if it was like, I don't know, Juilliard School of Music or whatever in New York, but uh, by some coincidence about eight, nine years ago, I was traveling in a consulting capacity to downtown Manhattan, and we met met up at a, a little rest, restaurant, you know, just a little sandwich shop, and he was, he was a great guy, and uh, I haven't heard from him in a while. I hope he's okay. I pray for him all the time. But he's an incredible musician. So is Cease Taylor. Um, Both of them are very different, but both of them do the same thing. And what's amazing that you may not be able to perceive from a fidelity standpoint over the streaming audio from the show, even that which you play back on the podcast, the fidelity will not be there. But if you download the songs from this link on the website, and you'll have access to much more than we play on the show regularly, um, you will hear amazing things. Um, for example, just the song that was that I just played, "Humble My Heart." In high fidelity, if you download it, you hear string instruments and just uh, multiple types of keyboards and incredible, just unbelievable things. And it's all done. Both Cease Taylor, who also goes by Nikki Taylor, he's on Facebook, and uh, and Brother Dan. Both of them, it, they do all of it with one microphone and one keyboard. So everything you hear, it sounds like an orchestra, but it's really just one person, one microphone, and one keyboard. I mean, that, that, that to me is absolutely a, a gift from God. It's beyond my comprehension. But anyway, I put a couple of the uh, songs from Brother Dan uh, up there that are directly loaded. Uh, A couple of the songs also from Brother Zeb Hatfield, which were given to me by his mother uh, and had never been copywritten. Those include the ones that I play in the beginning of the show, like this one here. And there's another one, this one here. There's several of them from Zeb Hatfield. I, I I don't know him, but his mother sent them to me. This one here is a song, song 
003, Psalm 3. There's another one here for Psalm 10. Praise God. And so there's several of them from uh, there's several of them from Brother Zeb Hatfield, and he's really talented. Um, but it's just amazing when you hear these songs if you actually download them and you hear them on your local stereo, and head especially with headphones. It's just, it's hard to believe it's just one person and a keyboard, and these are, obviously are not your Radio Shack Casio keyboards like I used to doink around with. Praise God, thank you Jesus. But I did want to share that with you because um, people have asked how they could get you know some of the music that we play on the program, and I I wonder I don't think I have the s the um the Esther Mui um song links. I got to put that up here too. Hold on a second. Scripture songs for worship. Yes, I do. Esther Mui. She's the one who does um, songs sort of like, you know, like this one right here uh, that we play a lot. Here we go. Let me show you. uh, It's amazing. It's just, it's, I think it's like her brother and her. I think they're in Indonesia. I think they live in Indonesia, so you can sort of hear her accent. You can also hear Brother Dan's Nor- Norwegian accent a little bit. He speaks incredible English, but this is Sister Esther Mui, and I think it's her brother playing the piano and her singing. And every single word is right out of the Bible. It's amazing stuff. Praise God. And... um. She was very kind because I I couldn't just take the liberty to snatch her stuff off of YouTube because um, that's technically in violation of the potential of the existence of a copyright. Anyway, so um, I I, uh, I um, you know actually sent her a communications and told her that we do a, you know the situation and the circumstances et cetera and she said nope have at it. You know, so so she does require that you ask, and I did, and she um, said, okay. So, and there's so many of them. I mean, the stuff that we play of hers on this program is limited to just a handful of songs because there's only, you know, so much time on the program. But there's probably another 30 or 50 or maybe even 60 more songs available on her website. Praise God. So I wanted to, to just share that with you. Praise Jesus. All right. Thank you, Father. All right. Let me get this web browser out of the way and let's move on. Glory to God. Oh, amen. Here we go. Almost forgot. At this time, let us go ahead and, if you have it, use holy oil. If you are at all new to this program or if you are at all new to the concept of spiritual warfare, the use of holy oil, um, all that kind of stuff, uh, again, if you go to tribulation-now.org or tribulation-now.net or whatever, um, if you go there, you will. Uh, there is a link. Again, it's white on black. Just look for it. And it uh, simply says, Spiritual Warfare Prayers. Now, on that page, there are different sections, but lots and lots of prayers for different purposes. But I tried to put an update, the best 
stuff that I learned over the years. Now, I don't really have a lot of updates for the use of the holy fire in the prayers yet i haven't really i've done a little bit of an update there but i not not to the degree that we use it on the program and i do have a big section of the courts of heaven scriptures now that are there okay so those that i share the rule of victor prayer that was uh uh, put together brother through the anointing of the holy spirit by a brother named leonard uh, M. Anspach, that's A-N-S-P-A-C-H, who was a specialist in satanic ritual abuse deliverance, like Danny Duvall, Dr. Preston Bailey, um, and uh, and the uh, and Doug Riggs, who's now with now exactly where I wish I was. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> Um, can you imagine Doug Riggs in heaven right now? <laughs> He's probably like standing before Jesus going, man, I really want to thank you for COVID-19. <laughs> can you, I mean, I know it's ironic and paradoxical, but really, when you think about it, I would be thrilled. I mean, you know, I, how could you not be absolutely ecstatic, gushing in joy? Praise God. It's funny how we look at things from the earthly realm. And maybe we have, you know, grief at our loss, but hopefully not grief assuming that they are experiencing any loss, because that would just be highly unlikely, to say the least. Praise God. But I, but uh, evidently, the man Leonard M. Onspock, um, I got this from when I was under extremely heavy attack, and I'm I won't go there right now. I'm not going to give that testimony, but I'm just telling you. I mean, I was under attack. that It was extremely heavy, and it was definitely coming from witch covens. And um, it's a long story, but anyway, that that's kind of like a worst-case scenario. You don't want to be there. You, you want to, And when you can break that, when you can get past that, and you can get rid of it, you want to maintain their, your distance. You know what I mean? You keep, you keep on praying like we pray on this program because – you, you don't want to let that force field down. But when I was under that attack, I knew that the strongest prayer warriors in the world were the ones that specialized in deliverance and SRADID, bar none, because they were up against the worst, absolutely the worst case scenario in being demonically attacked. And so, of course, naturally, when you're under a situation, you know, what is that saying? Um, uh, need or, you know, needs are the mother of all invention when you, you know, or I'm not saying it exactly right. But when you have when you have a need, it becomes the mother of invention. You know, I need to figure out how I'm going to eat this soup. So I invent a spoon. Well, similarly, when you're under extremely heavy attack, you're, you know, and you know that your our Father who art in heaven stuff isn't cutting it, okay? You're going to be looking for more strategic and tactical and highly effective spiritual warfare prayers that, you know, are the equivalent of going. I don't like using earthly weapons as an example. You know why? But I'm just saying. It's the equivalent of going from a, like a little kid's, you know, Red Ryder BB gun to you know, a howitzer cannon, you know. But um, this guy, Leonard M. Onsbach, see, I went to the Canaan Ministries out of South Africa, which was uh, 
it's spelled with a K. Uh, it's very similar to Atlanta Canaan, but it's spelled with a K. And um, they had a uh, downloadable prayer booklet that had like, I don't know, 30 or 40 different prayers for different specific purposes. Even, you know, like with Sister Elena with the, uh, electronic attacks and things like that. I didn't need any of that, but I did find this rule of the victor prayer and I read about it. And basically this guy, Leonard Unspock, long already in glory with the Lord, was found out about the Canaan, you know, by the Canaan Ministries leaders. And they they applied it in their ministry because the, what happens, this happened to me, what happens is when you are delivering a person who has SRADID, who's been satanically, satanic ritually abused at probably a very young age, and then had, you know, uh, they're called alters, but they're, it's like they split the soul into multiple personalities, but they're multiple souls, they're soul rooms. They, and when they do that, then they can do these satanic ritual ceremonies and call these very, very powerful demons, sometimes many of them, and the demons will move in. You, you know, so basic demon 101 stuff, you know, spiritual warfare 101 stuff talks about the concept of a walk-in. That's where a person who's like a member of a witch coven invites a particularly powerful demon to come into them. Well, in this case, these individual soul rooms are the, – the, the, the victim is not asking the demons to come inside of them, but the Satanists know ways to, I don't know, conjure them up and get them to go inside of them, which, of course, they're always very happy to accommodate. So what happens is then, then they're sort of like in these soul rooms, and they're able to, in some cases, program the individual with – words, keywords, so that it triggers them and they flip over to an altar and they can flip to multiple altars. Sometimes they have many altars and each one of the altars have different groups of demons in them. That's why it takes so much time to get the demons out because the altar is actually a, the altar is a gift from God. And you might say, what? Well, let me, so when you have a car accident, when you have a car accident, and um, and I don't know if you have. I mean, everybody's had a fender bender or two, and sometimes they're just these little bump, you know, and you're like, oh, no, not again. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. If you've ever had a car accident where there was glass flying everywhere and cars rolling and things like that, it was a really bad one. People in the hospital, somebody died maybe. Hopefully you didn't. But I uh, I was involved in one of those where um, it was raining and an individual decided to try to slam on their brakes to stop at a yellow light coming directly at me. And their car turned sideways and my car went through, right directly and T-boned them. No fault. Nobody was at fault. None of that kind of stuff. But I heard the person in the T-boned car was in really bad condition. I don't know what the outcome was. But what I can tell you is that it was a pretty traumatizing event, um, so much so that our Heavenly Father's divine creation, you know, we were made, fear, you know, we were fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and there's a lot of God in us, and it's, it's part of our DNA. It's part of the blessing of being um, 
You wouldn't believe some of the stuff I could share with you in regard to us being made from dust and uh, the genetics that have been in the dust of the earth for millions of years and all that kind of stuff. And then we were seen as royalty in the universe by other beings out in the universe. They even see us as royalty. They know we're royalty. Um, but anyway, um, we don't. We can't get our arms around how amazing we actually are and how little of our DNA is in, activated. But that gift of God that was programmed into us, it protects us from that trauma. So what happens is when you wake up the next day, you might remember a little bit of glass hitting you from the windshield shattering. You might vaguely remember that you were on the side of the road with the one of the passengers of the vehicle. Remember the details. You might vaguely remember seeing the car turn to the side in front of you. You might be able to assume and after some time remember that you crawled out the window somehow, even though your door wouldn't open. But you don't remember it. You just it's it's all like bits and pieces, and most of it you don't remember at all. And that that is what's known as disassociation. That's the clinical term for it. That's why SRADID is known as satanic ritual abuse disassociative identity disorder. That's what's known as disassociation. You disassociate yourself with who you were at the time of the accident. And that is a protective mechanism from our Heavenly Father to protect us from having to be haunted by continuous tragedy. That's why even people that have PTSD from military experience and stuff or other traumas will oftentimes not remember it right away. So they won't necessarily have PTSD right away. And then some two or three or X number of years later, they'll start to have really bad dreams and they'll start to remember things. And that's exactly how it works. When a person who's been satanically ritually abused gets into their 30, about 35 is when it begins. By the time they hit 40, they're remembering things pretty vividly. By the time they hit 45 and 50, they are really remembering things. They know it was their Uncle Frank that was taking them out at 2 o'clock in the morning when they were a little child to these satanic ceremonies. They remember. And... um and that's the same thing that happens to people, you know, that go to war. Sometimes there's a, you know, decades of delay before they before it really starts to hit them hard. And then it impacts greatly their families and all that kind of stuff. But it is a built-in mechanism that is given. So the individual alters of the, of the person who is a victim of it, those alters are good. They're good. It's the demons inside the alters that are bad. The altars, the split souls that exist, there's nothing bad about them. They didn't do anything wrong. Except that in the satanic ritual abuse, they, in that altered state, they force upon the individual bad things that ultimately need to be confessed. And the reason why they need to be confessed is because if they don't get confessed, the demon has a right to stay inside that soul room, 
which is why it is so difficult to deliver somebody that has gone through a SRADID, satanic ritual abuse. Because the person who is helping them get delivered can sometimes have to take multiple – I mean, sometimes it's years. Because they have to first help them to remember what happened and then bring them to a place past the trauma to where they are able to coherently confess of the sins that they committed, even though that they were coerced and forced into it. And then that releases the demon's right to stay inside that soul room, and they're able to get the demons out then. And they have to do it for each altar. Each soul room has to be cleaned over time because they first have to get the person to remember, which takes a lot of coaching, a lot of patience, and a lot of stuff. Well, these people are going through hell. The people that are doing the deliverance work will oftentimes go through absolute hell on earth because Satan himself will appear inside these witch coven meetings. Okay, and he appears as a very good-looking man, very much like the Fox TV show called Lucifer, most of the time. Um, and uh, he, of course, you know, is all-powerful in their eyes, and ultimately they're God, and they, he gives them orders. And they follow those orders because they are afraid of him, because they will be horrifically tortured if they don't. And what's really horrible about their situation is that if they're horrifically tortured and then killed, they end up in hell. So it's like quadruple jeopardy. Anyway, so the, the then when these so when when I got these prayers, I knew I was going to Canaan Ministries. I knew that they were one of the world's largest SRADID deliverance organizations that were dealing with the absolute absolute worst case scenarios. And the reason why it's especially dangerous, it isn't so much because the demons that are inside the altars that you're delivering from the victim are so dangerous. They can be. I mean, especially if they're left unchecked. But if you're in the process of delivering them, as a general rule, you have the upper hand. The problem, the real problem comes into play when the witch coven is told by Satan directly, because they, they do that Uga Chaga weirdness and they gather around tables and they have weird people, which are actually werewolves. And yes, they're real. They're, it's, it's all real. It's very real. It's very horrible. And uh, Satan will appear in their, in their dining room with them at the table. And he will say, go kill Go kill Leonard M. Onspach. He's delivering too many of my victims. Go kill him. So now there's a dozen people or maybe even more that have been sitting around that table that all are on assignment to go and kill Leonard Onspach because he's been delivering the SRADID victims. And Satan's angry. He needs them for his work. So what happens is now you're under attack by the people that are in the witch coven. Even if 
the person that had the SRADID is completely delivered or moved to another state or whatever and is getting shots of Abilify or whatever the case is and is no longer, whatever. It is irrelevant. Once Satan tells that coven to go kill Leonard Onsbach or go kill Johnny Baptist, they're not going to stop. I'm here to tell you they're not going to stop. So what happens is now you go into what's a completely different dynamic than traditional spiritual warfare. This is not like the like the book Pigs in a Parlor, although that's a great book to read to get you started if you wanted to go into this stuff and understand it a little bit better. But um, when you're dealing with people that have voluntarily asked and through ritual ceremony you know, had walk-ins, exceedingly powerful demons inside of them. And there are groups of them, and they can astral project, and they can kill you. They can literally kill you. How that all works, it has something to do with the manipulation of mass. It obviously, from a scientific standpoint, has to do with it, the fact that we are in some type of a hologram, which is obvious, really, when you think about it, because if you understand particle physics... At all, and you don't have to be some kind of, you know, uh, CERN accelerator scientist and physicist to, to get the basics. We're everything's made of particles, atoms and protons and neutrons. But what's really fascinating is that there are these what they call subatomic particles, quarks and bosons and things like that, and they're even teensier, weensier than much hundreds and thousands of times smaller than the atom itself. And that proves beyond any shadow of a doubt that, you know, if you shrunk yourself down to the size of a quark, you would see nothing. There would be nothing to see. Because the distance between you and the next subatomic particle is so great that all you would, you would just be like floating around in a void. You would float literally through a piece of granite and never even know it was there. That proves beyond any shadow of a doubt that our existence in this realm is essentially a type of a hologram. As Einstein said, we are living in a hologram, albeit a very convincing one. He was right. He was also right when he said, a coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous. Why is this relevant? Because it helps us to get our minds around, our minds and hearts around, how can these things all be possible? How can these members of witch covens use or learn to? It's a learning process. They don't just like go in and say, hi, I'd like to be a member of your witch coven. Uh, you know, pass me some chicken wings and let's go astral project. It doesn't work like that. They have to be trained. And, um, but it essentially allows their spirit man, which is what is the more stronger part of our makeup, even as a Christian. We have a spirit man. They have a spirit man, of course. Because there's no difference between them and us, except that they're worshiping the wrong God, the evil one. That's why... They channel and we prophesy. But guess what? No difference. No difference. 
So you listen, you, people that are, you know, without understanding, what they'll say is, oh, they use the channeling word. That's of the devil. But if you use the prophesy word, well, that's, that's of Jesus. So you run away from everything. You see, the point being that it's both telepathy. A prophecy is telepathy coming from a godly being, and channeling is telepathy coming from a being that works for the devil, or did at least at one time, whatever the case is, fallen angel, whatever, or a demon. And they're not one and the same. Not at all. Not even close. So the, um, the, the point here is to understand how all this comes together so that you can get your arms around the concept of astral projecting. A lot of people don't get that. They're like, but look, when a person dies on an oper- operating table and they, they leave their body, we hear this all the time. They call it a near-death experience, and they just died on the operating table, and they say all the time, there I was looking down at my clay body, laying there dead on the operating table, but I felt so free, and I could see trillions of colors, and it was the most amazing feeling I have ever felt and I I was so alive that's a type of astral projecting it's just a term it's just a word one is the spirit leaving the body and going into the demonic realm which is really just a, a channel on the TV if you will of, of God's creation the kingdom of God and contained Thank God from the rest of the glorified universe. Praise Jesus. But it's very, there is a counterpart to each thing. When the Satanists astral project into the spiritual realm, their spirit is leaving their body and they're going and doing things. But they're in the spirit body. But but look, if you read the Old Testament scriptures, there are actually testimonies where where spiritual angelic beings that were in spirit, they were still in their spirit bodies came down and, you know, opened up a can of whoop on some bad people that God sent them down to do stuff and to in judgment. So spiritual spirit beings in spirit bodies, I'm sorry, angels in spirit bodies, when working for the Lord, do have some limited powers in this hologram. They don't they can't do nearly as much as they can do when they incarnate into a human. Then they can do a lot more. But they also have other limitations, too, in that case. They need an umbrella when it rains. They can't just walk through a wall. But you can learn this. It's all in the scripture. It's not, you know, we we look at this concept of astral projecting as being some sort of like, wow, that's so weird and magical and creepy and satanic. But really, when you think about it, the concept of getting in and out of the car. The body's the car. And we, the real us, the spirit man, gets in and out of the car. You die in the, on the bed in the hospital. Your spirit man leaves the body. So you're sp- the real you in the spirit. And, and, and it's fascinating because we, we've been so programmed over our lives to think of Casper, the friendly ghost, and, and the ghost and Mrs. Mirror, and all the little shows that we watch when we grew up. And we just have this baked into our subconscious. We just can't take the word spirit and equate it 
with a body that is a thousand times more glorious than the one that we're in right now. I used to think, gosh, it would kind of be a bummer to go to heaven because I really like the way that mac and cheese tastes. And I figured that when I went to heaven, there wouldn't be any mac and cheese. Boy, was I wrong. It's the opposite. All of your senses are 10,000 times, 10,000 times more, more magnified and impactful and just absolutely mind-blowing. I assume or estimate to some degree that that is part of the experience of astral projecting as well. But the, but the, but the fundamental, the baseline concept of getting out of the car in the spirit body and operating in another realm outside of the hologram but being able to affect the hologram. So imagine that you were standing on the Starship Voyager or whatever, and there was the holodeck, and they were all dancing around in 17th century, uh, 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 you know, with, you know, with uh, harpsichords playing and doing waltzes and everything in this, like, holographic experience, and you took a phaser and you shot it into the hologram and hurt somebody or killed them. Of course, that would upset Captain Kirk. You wouldn't want to do that. But anyway, or Picard or whoever. But the point I'm making is there is some interaction that is possible between the spirit, the spirit man individual, the, the person in the spirit body, and the actual hologram itself, and the, the demonic beings or whatever you want to call them, the entities of darkness or whatever, and particularly the fallen angels, have the ability to move in and out of the hologram and to manipulate the hologram. They can manipulate, you know, they can go over, they can walk up invisibly to a person who is dancing around in their 17th century dress in a waltz, okay, in the hologram, living their life, and they can manipulate that hologram in a way that they appear to be one of them. And there's there's a lot more to it than that, but it's it's outside of the scope of the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is when you are dealing with Satan sitting down with the followers of him that are afraid of him, that are going to kill you, this is a very real thing. It's just as real as you going to heaven. It's just as real as you leaving your body when you die on the operating table. It's just as real. Now, granted, when we die on the operating table or wherever, and our spirit leaves and goes up and becomes like he is, like Jesus is, and we turn into those minor gods, light beings... That's what we are. We're beings of light and love, which is a different transition than that which the witch covens experience. They don't get the glorification that we get, and they go to a different realm. It's a lower layer of darkness. We transcend to the glory of the highest And therein lies the biggest difference of all. Very significant. But when these witch covens are coming to kill you, they're doing it for real. And if you don't understand that, please consider it will be the most amazing book you have ever read, read in your life. That I guarantee you.
the best investment you've ever made in a book. If you haven't read it yet, shame on you. Okay, not shame on you, but you definitely can't get into the Johnny Baptist kindergarten of spiritual warfare if you don't read that book. Not not as if that's a goal in your life or anything. I'm just, you know, tongue in cheek. But I'm saying it's called He Came to Set the Captives Free by M. Brown, M.D. She was an actual doctor in a hospital and really creepy weird stuff started to happen. She became awake and aware that the nurses and the doctors, particularly in the ICU, were Satanists. And that they would go into the different rooms where the people were on ventilators or whatever. And they would, they wanted them to die. Now, they wouldn't necessarily do something to kill them, or they might, clandestinely. But they, their goal was to be present at the time the individual in the intensive care unit died because it was at that moment in time they served Satan at their greatest capacity because they would bequeath the soul of the individual in the ICU at the time they were dying. They would bequeath it and dedicate it to Satan, and that soul would go to hell. And that was a big deal for them. And they were everywhere throughout the hospital. And this is in a part of the country where you would never think this stuff would go on. And there were witch covens all over the place. Middle America, nicest, kindest, sweetest, politest, talkingest, Christianist type people you would ever want to meet. Plenty of little churches that spoke in tongues and prophesied and all that, all infiltrated by satanic covens. Sitting on their board of directors, destroying their prayer meetings and sessions and all that kind of stuff. Sending <clears throat> sending members of the witch covens to become the leaders of the youth groups so they could recruit more people clandestinely into their covens. That's how it worked. So this when I got when I was going through this, I just knew it. I could feel it. But I, I, it wasn't like I would look out my window and there was like these hovering spirits, you know, sitting you know, with sickles in her hands trying to break through my window and chop my head off. It wasn't like that. I could just – it was an oppression. It was a continuous attack situation. And, and I, but you just knew it spiritually. You could, And then, of course, I also, fortunately for me, had um, – I knew stuff. I, I knew that it was highly likely that that was going to happen, given what I had just gone through. And that's why I went and got the Canaan Ministries prayer book. And that's where I found the rule of the victor prayer. It actually said in the description, when it gave you the synopsis of Leonard Onspach, how his SRA DID deliverance ministry was under such heavy heavy attack by the witch covens in the town that he almost it, 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 I mean people were it, um, if I have the story straight you know it was things like fires would start cars would crash outside the building they were under they were you know afraid for their lives I mean every day um, uh, 
that's when the Holy Spirit led him to pray this prayer, the rule of the victor prayer. We exercise the rule of the victor over all demonic regions that have set their wills against us or me, if you're praying it for yourself. We exercise the rule of the victor, the Lord Jesus Christ, I like to say that, I add that in there, against all demonic regions that have permitted these spirits in or through their territory. A principality is in charge of a large area in the demonic realm. We command, we command in Jesus' name that they, be, that they be cut off from ever receiving power from the darkness again. Of course, that's a worst-case scenario for them, except for being splashed by the holy fire napalm of God. That's, that's actually the worst, which is what I was led to understand at a, much late, you know, at a later time. So now I combined the two. I used the weaponry of the holy fire of God from Zechariah 2.5, which, by the way, is the same fire that is breathed out of the mouths of the two witnesses in Revelation 11 for three and a half years. That is a metaphor for the use of the holy fire of God as a weapon to help people that are trapped in the great tribulation, the tribulation saints. How, how that all works interpretively when you analyze Revelation 11, I've, I've heard dozens of different people uh, interpret it different ways and come up with all kinds of ideas and sell the uh, sell you DVDs or books. Um, but I, I just need to know just the facts, ma'am. I'm, I'm a dragnet guy. <laughs> okay. I don't need to hear all your theories about this, that, and the other thing. All I want to know is who are the two witnesses? What is the Holy, what is that fire coming out of their mouth? What's this metaphor are talking about and why are they doing it? I want to know why. They're certainly not doing it because they want to imitate fire-breathing dragons for three and a half years. So, and, 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 and you know that they're not just standing on the street corner in Tel Aviv. Come on, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So you have to know that it's a metaphor. And then you have to ask yourself, what's this whole thing about breathing fire out of their mouths for three, three and a half years? Well, it's obviously to control the holy fire of God, which we should be doing right now. And hence, these are the methods that I, over the years, have adopted because I started out, you have to start somewhere. And I was under such heavy attack that I had to do something drastic. And I knew that the only way I was going to be able to beat this away from me was through prayer. And it would have to be darn good, effective prayer. None of this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name stuff. Not that that's not awesome prayer, because it is, but it ain't going to stop a witch coven from attacking you. You can, our, you can our father yourself until you're blue in the face, and it will never stop a witch coven from attacking you. That's why we pray this way on this program. It's sort of like I've, I've used the analogy before. It's sort of like mixed martial arts, okay? It's it's mixed martial arts is you take the best of every, you know, you jujitsu and karate and judo and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. And you you take the very best moves from all the different disciplines and you put them together and you make a whole new method of fighting against the darkness with the power of the word. But wait, we're a royal priesthood. But wait, we have died, and it is no longer we who lives, but Christ who lives in us. If it's Christ who lives in us, who is Christ? Christ is God. That means if God is living in us, and God is, that is part of the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit is what? The Godhead. And it is where? It is in us. Therefore, we are part of the Godhead. These are things that you will never hear in churchianity. And it is basic common sense. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I just wanted to share that with you. All of this information is available on that link at uh, tribulation-now.org. Uh, and the link in the group of links is entitled Spiritual Warfare Prayers. And it is like probably about 25, 30 pages long. And it's got a ton of information in it. Example prayers that you can use, uh, methods for anointing your house with holy oil, chasing demons. It's called a house cleaning. You basically build a force field around your house ultimately once you get them all out. And then you use the holy oil and you go around and build a perimeter with the holy oil around your house. And then you build a perimeter above. You know, you do like that whole Passover thing, how, how appropriate, right? Um, where the Israelites were commanded to take the lamb's blood, you know, with the, and, uh, you know, and, and do the thing of the cross, you know, the, the cross over their doors, left, top, right, okay, over their doors with the blood of the lamb, right? But you do that with the holy oil, and then you pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I anoint this house with the power of the name of Jesus. I anoint it with divine protection that any entity of the darkness that attempts to approach it will be burned by the holy fire of God. Thank you, Jesus. And then you move on to the next window. Move on to the next window. You don't have to go completely crazy with it. Don't be climbing up no two or three story ladders to protect your house, all right? And believe me, it works without going to that extreme. And then I also like to do a property perimeter because I just have a sixteenth of an acre, so I can do that pretty quick. Now, if you've got 100 acres, you've a problem. You're going to have to collapse your force field of protection a, a smaller distance away from the, the outer walls of your dwelling place, praise God, uh, to make it you know feasible to accomplish. Actually, I need to read. I need to do another run on my house. I haven't done it for a while. But anyway, I just wanted to let you know. There's even a section on this. Uh, many, many. Oh my gosh, I don't even know how many pages. Um, I don't even know how many pages, but there's even a section at the very, uh, about half, a little more than halfway down on this link of, uh, and I'm really surprised that the YouTube video is still there, but it is. There's uh, a photograph, a still photograph from Pinterest of an actual demon that had materialized in the hologram, in the hologram that we're in right now. Guess where? in the intensive care unit of a hospital. So you can actually see one of these filthy things with your own eyes. The security camera caught it. And that's it's there on that page toward the bottom. And then there's another one. Uh, <laughs> there's one where a demonic being drags a man down the hall. And then there's another one in a stadium where you can actually see one of these demonic beings moving very rapidly through the bleachers in between the people and then moving onward. That's, that's actually a YouTube video. It really, let's, let me put it to you like this. If, you, if the Lord had not brought me through the things that I had to go through, which were unpleasant at a magnitude that is not expressible, I would not have 
the pissed offedness, I have no better word to use, so I'm going to make up a word, the pissed offedness, I'm angry at the devil, I hate his guts, because of all the things that I went through, and also because of my personal experience with the victims, and that's highly motivational, believe me, highly motivational. Praise God. So I'll just leave it at that without going. And it also has, there's also a copy of Combat in the Heavenly Realm or Combat, combat in the Spiritual Realm, uh, how, how uh, uh, Satan stops our prayers, which I've shared many times on this program as well. A very, very important learning lesson there, pray, and the importance of the way that we pray. And don't forget, speaking in tongues, seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You should desire, I look, the people who have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence, is, and, you know, and, and, and the gift of speaking in tongues, because it's not evidence of having the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like, like the Pentecostals tell you. It's not at all. Okay, it's just one of nine gifts that are associated with it. Now, that being said, I don't know anybody else on the, in the world that knows that when you combine the Lessons to be learned from combat in the, in the heavenly realm, how Satan stops our prayers. When you understand how Satan and these demonic beings in the astro, as the astral project in the spiritual realm can actually stop wimpy prayers from Christians, particularly those with willful sin in their lives, the... When you realize that, and then you, then you also realize that speaking in tongues bypasses them. They can't see it. They can't stop what they can't see. Speaking in tongues, it, that is the greatest thing of all, speaking in tongues. I have a book that my sister bought me. It's like, 70 reasons why you should speak in tongues. And it has nothing in there about what I know from personal experience. That when you're speaking in tongues, even if you're seeped in sin and it's dripping from every part of your body, if you're speaking in tongues, you have a direct line. It is like the red phone right into the throne room of God. It bypasses all of the petitions, the whole deal. It's an amazing thing. Praise God. I'm sure there's... 70 other reasons why we ought to, praise God. But that, to me, is bar none the single most important one of all. Isn't it ironic of all the awesome gifts of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? After 60 years of life, actually I have to subtract nine because I received it at the age of nine. So that would make it, what, 51 years of life with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It would take me till I'm like 59 and had almost been killed by an SRADID victim before I and, – and, of course, the blessing associated with this ministry and all of the things that God has exposed me to uh, over these 12 years that I would come to the epiphany – of how powerful and desirable and unbelievable speaking in tongues is, because it is considered trivial in the portfolio of gifts. The gift of wisdom, the gift of discerning of spirits, the gift of love, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, uh, you know, the gift of interpretation of tongues, all 
no, everybody, when they look at the portfolio of gifts of the Holy Spirit, no, nobody is like going like, wow, I really wish I had the gift of speaking in tongues. They take it for granted because they don't understand it. It is indeed one of the most valuable and important gifts of all. And you can use it every single day. So when you're having a down week and your prayers in the natural might be hindered, might be successfully to some degree attacked by these astral projecting entities in the spiritual realm, you're depressed, you're beaten, you're tired, you're sick to death of this life, and you sit there, you get on your knees, and you pray in tongues for about 45 minutes straight. And you think about your loved ones. You focus your spirit on your loved ones, focus your spirit on the different people that you pray for, but the whole time that you're focusing your spirit on all of these different people that you're praying for, you're speaking in tongues. You're bypassing the ability of the darkness to try to intercept it because they can't even see it. And your current state of mind has nothing. It doesn't hinder them. If you look at 1 Peter 3, 7, I believe it is, it talks about a husband and a wife. And it, and, he, and it says, so if you read 1 Peter 3, what, 4, 5, and then 6 and 7, the, basically the whole paragraph is like, you know, husbands, be, you know, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. You know, because if you don't get along, your prayers will be hindered. What, how, how are they going to be hindered? Because it gives license to the demons in the spiritual realm to attack them. But now when you're speaking in tongues, praise God, thank you, Jesus. And on that note, Esther Moyi. Cause your face to shine 
God. And if you do have holy oil and all you need is, uh, you can pretty much use anything. You could use salad oil if you wanted to. It's the anointing. It's the prayers that count. It's the power that the, our Father puts when he glorifies in it on account of your prayers. Um, but of course, highly recommended that you would use quality olive oil. Um, and then highly recommended that you would use quality olive oil from Israel. It's even better, I think. And then, um, you know, and then if somebody, but the bottom line is when you buy, just be careful where you buy it from. Again, if you're going to buy it from somebody. Now, if you're going to buy, you know, extra virgin olive oil from Israel or whatever, which is easy to do with Amazon, then that's between you and God. And when you're praying over it, and you can add like, you know, cinnamon oil and things like that to it and do some wonderful things with it, which is what I do. I have a big 750 milliliter bottle, big old dark, you know, protects it and everything bottle uh, full of it, which is what I use to anoint around my house and clean the house. Um, but when I get get olive oil, or I'm sorry, when I get anointing oil, um to use for myself. Now I don't have to do this, but I do, I choose to do it. Um, I like to go to L O J L O J O I L.com. Um, lion, oil.com L O J O I L at sister Lindy, Lindy Pierce and, uh, Lindy Pierce. And, uh, she, uh, the, you know, you pick out your, you pick out the bottle first and then you pick the, the scent and then you just, 
put it in your shopping cart and off you go. All right, and then she'll send it to your house in a really nice box. But she is very anointed and full of the Holy Spirit, so you can trust it. It's not something that's cursed by some kind of fork tongue speaking creepy whatever, you know. I've run across that where there were these ministries that would sell, you know, anointing oil and they look so legit. Oh my gosh. And then you'd do a little bit of digging around on their website and you'd realize <laughs> they were from the bowels of Sheol. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I can't believe I bought this from them. I was like, I threw it away right away, got it out of the house. So, you know, you really want to be careful out there because you buy anointing oil from just wherever. It could be cursed. You don't want to be anointing yourself with something like that. So anyway, um, uh, but I'm real big on anointing oil. And I anoint my, when I take communion in the morning, I use Lindy Lindy Pierce's, uh, she calls it behind the veil. But what it is, is it's the Exodus blend. She actually blends it right out of the Bible. And she's very cautious with it, as she ought to be, because there's warnings that go along with the use of it in Exodus. But um, it's typically used by the royal priests to anoint the vessels inside the um, tabernacle. And you might say, what's a vessel? It's anything. You know, it's whatever. So in, in the case of where I take communion in the morning, it my vessels include the bottle of wine, which I buy from Israel. Uh, actually, I I buy it from what's called, uh, it's called kosherwines.com on the Internet in the United States. Kosherwines, spelled with a K, kosherwines.com. And, you know, three bottles of it, you know, uh, it'll cost you about 70 bucks to get it to your house. So three bottles will last like forever. Now, of course, I take communion like almost every single morning, of course, and I don't, you know, it's not like I'm doing a whole three ounce thing or whatever. I just tiny little itty bitty bitty little bit. So it lasts a really long time. And uh, but the vessels are the bottle of oil. The. Kiddush cup, Kiddush cup, K-I-D-D-U-S-H cup, which is the chalice that you use to take communion with. It's referred to as a Kiddush cup. And I and I also anoint a, I have a, uh, so I know it's all symbolic, but it, it's very meaning, I think it means a lot to the Lord. Um, I got a, uh, a little, um, it's an ephod, an ephod, if you want to say it like some people say it. Some people pronounce it ephod. Uh, some people call it, pronounce it ephod. But it's that rectangular-shaped object that was worn over the Levitical priests, but very large, actually, over their chest. And it had the 12 stones, these different very special topaz and all that stuff, different stone representative, a gemstone representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. And that's known as an ephod or an ephod. All right. Well, there's a, I got a, an ephod, but it was, you know, like a, a charm, like a charm for a charm bracelet or whatever, but it was an ephod with the 12 stones in it. And I put it on a cheap, inexpensive, you know, sterling silver 18 inch chain 
and I put that around my neck. And I anoint that with the oil, with the Exodus oil as well, because that's one of the vessels. So I say, Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, and then I anoint my finger with the Exodus blend oil. And I say, in the name of Jesus, I consecrate these vessels to you. And I touch the bottle of Yarden Mount Hermon red wine, which I buy in just a couple of bottles at a time from kosherwines.com. I just want the I want the wine from the Holy Land. And it's Y A R D E N Mount Hermon Red. That's the one I like the most. Just because I just don't want to cab whatever, I can't get in all that. But anyway, I I anoint the bottle because it's part of the vessels. In the name of Jesus, I touch and I anoint with this Exodus Blend Holy Oil, which Lindsay calls behind the veil. You uh, and you have to email her to tell her, you know, so you have to click the link and email her and say, please give me, you know, the behind the veil or whatever. And then um, I anoint the bottle of Yarden Mount Hermon red wine from Israel. Then I anoint the, the Kiddush cup. Then I anoint this crystal, small crystal candy dish with a lid, which I use for the matzah, the unleavened bread. It's matzah. That's what they call it. It's in the, your grocery store in the Jewish section. It's kind of like a cracker. It's kind of like a saltine cracker with no salt. It's called matzah. And like one box of those will last you like three lifetimes. <laughs> okay. All right. And you just break those up into pieces and I put them inside the crystal decanter. And I anoint that as well because it's one of the vessels. And then I anoint the ephod and then I put that around my neck. And then I get more of the Exodus oil and I anoint the water in the golden cup of forgiveness. And the Lord told me, I have to, I have to, I mean, you got to understand, I was like four o'clock in the morning, I'm tired and I'm like bumping into things in the room. And you don't want to turn on the lights because, you know, it'll mess with your spiritual connection to the Lord. And But I was told in the spirit by the Lord to, Always use fresh water every morning. So I have to go over, you know, and, and, the, and the, the the cup, the golden cup of forgiveness that I was given by, by the Lord to use, um, it, it um, it's too big to fit in the sink. So I have to go over to the shower. And sometimes if I don't remember to flip the little flippy thing, you know, that goes from shower to bath, I'm like tired and I'm like trying to put fresh water in the golden cup. It's 4.30 in the morning, and I'll get blasted by, you know, shower water coming out cold, you know, and hitting me right in the head. You know, I'm like, ah, doggone it. But anyway, most of the time I remember and I do it right. But I add fresh water to the cup, take it back over to where I have the other vessels, and then I take communion. I anoint everything with the Exodus blend oil, and then when I'm done with that, I spread what's left of the holy oil on my fingertips over across my hands because, you know, um, of the scripture in Job where it says uh, he will even deliver the one uh, who is not innocent. Yes, he will deliver him because of the cleanness of your hands. So I anoint my, so I essentially take what's left of the Exodus blend holy oil and I rub my hands together. So essentially, I'm anointing my hands 
All right. Um, but anyway, I thought I would share that with you just in case you were interested. But at this time, let's go ahead and take our holy oil. If we do have holy oil, if you don't, you can do it any one of the ways that, that I just shared it with you. It doesn't have to be anything special. You don't have to buy it from Israel. But uh, it probably would be kind of cool if you didn't. And it's not very expensive. And you just say, Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will anoint and bless this holy oil. Make it holy. I consecrate it to you. So what are you going to do? And it's done. And it's done. All right. So at this time, we consecrate ourselves to the Lord Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I can still feel the holy oil. I can still feel some of the holy oil from when I anointed myself this morning. Praise God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Father God, we would consecrate ourselves into your complete ownership, Lord Jesus. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against us. We declare the abundant grace of God, your living water, Father, and the crystal river of life to purify every particle of our existence in this realm. And we plead the blood of your awesome, awesome sacrifice, Lord Jesus, upon us, that we would be made pure, beyond that purity that is spoken of in Titus 1.15. We decree in Jesus' name that no weapons raised against us, earthly or spiritual, shall prosper. In fact, we declare the holy fire of God to vaporize them. We rebuke all demonic presences. The devil himself must flee from us. We cancel all demonic assignments in Jesus' name. We break all yokes of bondage, curses placed against us, and we declare the holy fire of God, a hedge of a thorny, Edge of protection in Jesus' name around about us on all sides, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot. In Jesus' name. Father, we abandon our souls into your hands. Do with us what you will. Whatever you may do, we thank you. We are ready for all. We accept all. But only your will be done in us and all of us. We wish no more than this. Father, into your hands we commit our soul. Into your hands we commit our spirit. And we give it to you because we love you. Thank you, Father. We surrender ourselves into your hands without reserve, with boundless confidence. Dear Father God, thank you. Hallelujah. And now we enter into communion. about you at the eve of a man's bread you said I'd eagerly yearn for this supper and that you'd suffer so his children could be fed I can only imagine the silence in the room as you passed on the bread to be told the lady not understand the reach of his plan in his love, we were told to rejoice, not to mourn. So we gathered from memory the glory of the Lamb, the one who was slain for the seed of Abraham. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the king and his bride. 
when our waiting has ceased. As you arose and went back up to heaven, to plead to the heavenly court. To plead to the heavenly court. You lifted the cup of forgiveness. Dan wrote this for the show. Is that cool? You had power to call, and I can only imagine the thunderous sound as the heaven exploded in tears. One guy, we one mic, one keyboard. Hallelujah. All that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win, so we gather remembering the pillar of our soul. Destroyer of death, the Lord of our all. The light in our arms, the edge of our sword, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. For we believe in a land, all of creation. We stole by his hand Eternity All is revealed By the time we remember All scars will be healed As we long for your coming we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride, when our waiting has ceased. Praise God. And this is Come and Be Holy by Cease Taylor. It's a little segue I edited out for the program. Praise God. Watch and pray For I would come for you one day I gave you my word so you would know The time I'd come and take you home It's time for you to look around The signs I gave for coming down Don't be called a sleeping blind You don't want to be left Come and be home 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 
people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light who were once not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved put on tender mercies kindness humility meekness and long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just and whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, beautiful, whatever things are of a good report, there is any virtue or anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Jesus went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew twenty six thirty nine. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, believed upon in the world, and received up in the glory. God. First Timothy three sixteen. We pray for purification, a prayer based on Psalm fifty one one through fourteen. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we pray that you will have mercy upon us daily, all day. Remember that we are dust, Psalm 103.11. Thank you, Father. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. Even that which we do not know we commit. For we acknowledge our transgressions, Father. Our sin is always before us. Against you, you only we have sinned and done this evil in your sight. 
that you may be found just when you speak, blameless when you judge. Behold, Father, we were brought forth in iniquity, and in sin our mothers conceived us. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make us to know your wisdom. Purge us with hyssop, and we shall be clean. Wash us, we shall be whiter than snow. Father, make us hear joy and gladness in our hearts that the bones you've broken may rejoice. Hide your face from our sins. Blot out all of our iniquity. And as it says in Isaiah 43:25, do not remember our sins for your own sake, Father, for your own sake. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within each of us. Do not cast us away from your presence and don't let us grieve the Holy Spirit, Father. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and uphold us with your generous spirit. And then we will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. But Father, more than anything we pray that you will also deliver us from the guilt of our past sin. And our tongues will sing aloud forevermore of your righteousness. The Lord's Supper. Holy Communion. For I received from the Lord that, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Wow. This which we're reading, the institution of the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. <laughs> That's all about tomorrow, folks. Praise God. That's awesome. And the next several days as well in celebration. And I'm not... And the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And he broke it. And he said thanks. And he said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Lododi, Lododi Lee. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine.
that matter. You were born to shine for His kingdom. To die, you lived in our place. You were seeking what was lost. And I know any place, anywhere that you've been, you were bound to live without sin, regardless of the cost. Yes, I know you were killed for all that we owe. For the sake of all eternity, you died for me. There was life wherever you touched. You were strong, you were kind, you were just. You were aiming for the goal. You were smiling, always strong and secure through your work, like a shepherd guiding his herd, giving shelter to the soul. Cause I know that your word holds power to grow. Through your spirit and serenity, you speak to You were hurt for my offense. You were sick for my deceit. You were poor for my prosperity. You are strong and I am weak. I praise you, my Redeemer. I praise you, Majesty. You were left by God Almighty to always be with me. And I know I will never be
and I know you will be wherever I go. If trouble rise and angels, you'll bear for me. And you know I will always follow you. To spread the word, to be a speaker of truth. I trust in you, in all that I do. sons of God. We are the masters of the devil. And we are the servants and foot washers of mankind. Ezekiel 22:30. So I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Isaiah 6, 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send who will go for us? Father, here we are. Send us. Isaiah 43.25 Our Father says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance and let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. John fourteen twelve. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater things than these will he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Ephesians three twenty to 21. Now to him, Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, that's a lot, by the way, according to the power that works in us, so that all that lead in is all about the power that works in us, all that now to him, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, all that, all that language right there, is all trying to describe the power that works in us. Wow. 
Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities and powers, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, where are the principalities and powers located at? In the spiritual realm. That thick air, that stench, that horrible, thick, awful thing that, thank God, we cannot see. In a realm that completely wraps itself like chocolate around a malted milk ball around this earth. I know. Now all of a sudden you don't like molded milk balls, right? I know. Just tongue-in-cheek. Intensified prevailing prayer. Intensified prevailing prayer is God's ordained law and method for implementing his redemptive plan in this age until Jesus returns. It is the highest, the holiest, and the mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. It is God's chosen way to bring heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon this earth. Charles Spurgeon says, he who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Intensified prayer is clothed with the might of God himself. Wesley L. Duell, book, Mighty Prevailing Prayer. James 5.16b says, the effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. Effective and fervent. Fervent meaning having or displaying a passionate intensity. Impassioned, passionate, intense, vehement, ardent, sincere, fervid, and heartfelt. Mealy-mouthed and mousy-like isn't in the list. We cast out demons. Mark 16, 17 through 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. That means to ingest in any way. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not earthly. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Because if you're using your spiritual warfare weapons against the principalities and the powers and the demons, that automatically brings your thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And you say, why do you say that? Because what a fiery dart does in Ephesians six ten through 20, what that does is it injects thoughts into your head. So by virtue of casting down arguments and every high thing, which is talking about the principalities, the powers of spiritual host, wickedness, and rulers of darkness, and high places, which is referring to the air, the spiritual realm, the demonic realm, that automatically, by virtue of that, brings every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ because you're no longer dealing with the fiery darts, which are thought injectors. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but instead we wrestle against principalities, powers, spirituals of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in this age. In high places, or some translations say heavenly places, 
which is a mistranslation in my opinion. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you, I don't think you know what I don't think God, our heavenly Father, would approve of us calling the place where the demons reside the word heaven. In any sense of the word. So I know as a fact that was a poor choice in translation for certain translations. Praise God. Luke 10, verse 19. Jesus said, now remember, this is to the 70 sinners that he sent out two by two before the cross, before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, before Pentecost, before all that. He said, hey, you sinners out there in that big group. You all get together, you 70 there, two by two, go into the lands, cast out demons, use my name. They all came back and their heads were exploded. They couldn't believe what happened. It actually happened. They're like, oh my gosh, even the demons listen to us. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Does that apply to you if you're not doing these things? The answer would be no. You don't get any promises if you don't do what the Bible says. It's quid pro quo. Mark 25 says, and this is awesome, Jesus, when Jesus saw the people come running together, he waited. He waited until they came running together. He waited. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. He wanted to glorify his Father, so he waited for the crowds to come gathering around, and then he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. He wasn't asking. And so that's how we, we talk to the mountain. The mountain, in this case, is the demons. You talk at them. You tell them, get out! Matthew twelve twenty eight, Jesus said, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house, a human body or whatever, that is inhabited by a particularly strong leader demon, that's what a strong man is, and plunder his goods, the subordinate demons, unless he first binds the strong man. Then he will plunder his house, cut off the head of the snake, and he can get to the subordinate demons that are hiding behind him. By the way, if you ever watch well-done spiritual deliverance, uh, demonic deliverance from an individual that's got, because it's never one demon. It's always a big old group of them. And it's always going to be the one that the one that's got the big fat mouth and cusses and swears and does kind of – that's always the strong man. You've got to get that thing out and the rest go running for it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Matthew twelve forty three to 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, now why would the unclean spirit go out of a man? They hate going. They want, that's where they want to be. That's where they're commanded to be by their leader. And they go through dry places seeking rest and find none. They don't, they, they don't rest until they're inside of a human. How about that? Why would they leave in the first place? Because they got cast out. And then he says, verse 44, I will return to my house from which I came. 
And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. And then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than themselves, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it be with his wicked generation. So they had a legal right to go back into the human, even though they were cast out. Why? Well, it tells you right here. So shall it be with this wicked generation, because they failed to go and sin no more. It's not only that they have to fa- they It's twofold. There's two things. In order for them to keep the demons from coming back, because demons always believe that they own the house. They, they, they really believe it. That's my house. That person, Chuck, who you just delivered, you, you kicked me out of my house, and I'm going back in that house. So if you don't teach Chuck that Chuck needs to walk in holiness, and you also have to teach Chuck to fight back, this is very, very, very important. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I wonder where I have that. I'm going to see if I can pull something up here. The Lord just put something on my heart. I'm just going to see if I can find it. I think I'll be able to find it pretty quick because I only have one little bitty section in this 200 and... No, yeah, no, 200 and some page word document. Hold on. Is it the word Lester? There it is. So Lester Summerall, one of God's generals, I highly recommend that you read um, his biography book. It's just incredible. I forget what it's called. It's like Lester Summerall, something, 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 something. It's an amazing story. He didn't even want to cast out demons. He went to Manila in the Philippines because the Lord told him he was going to give him a church there. This was before he came back to the United States, ended up getting married ultimately, um, and then um, set up the very first Christian TV station ever in the whole wide world. That story is an amazing story in and of itself. But anyway, several years prior to that, he was in um, the Philippines, and he wanted to set up a church in Manila. That was his goal for being there. And he was staying at some hotel or something, you know, waiting to get an audience. You know, he had to go through the legal system and do all kinds of tap dancing and fancy stuff or whatever. You know, and of course, he had no guarantee that they would even give him the property that he was looking for for the church. So, you know, but he was there on faith, and that was his goal for being there. He felt that the Lord had led him there to open up a church in Manila. Well, while he was there, there was this uh, thing, this big event happening, because back in those days, there was no television. So you'd have one of those big old zenith, you know, (laughs) hardwood radio shows with the amber-colored dial on it. Just like you have in that movie, uh, A Christmas Story, you know, with the Red Rider Beacon. But anyway, um, he he flipped on the radio, and it was all over all the different stations. You know, they would broadcast it on shortwave, and it would go all over the world ultimately. Um, but they were broadcasting from Manila, right, right down the road from where he was in the in the hotel room, and he was absolutely blown away by what he heard. 
Because, of course, they're, they're narrating it. They're like saying, we have this woman, and this is an amazing thing, ladies and gentlemen. She is obviously possessed by some. See, back in those days, they, they would talk about demons openly. But over time, Satan erodes and hides. He wants to hide himself. If we could go back in time, I mean, I would love, I, I love to watch period dramas where you go back in time to the colonial period, you know, like the 1700s and stuff, the colonial period. Um, because even when they were really incredibly angry at one another, they would still speak in a almost like supernaturally kind way. You there, man, I contest what you have said to my wife. How dare thee? Nowadays, you would be slathered with filth that would be enough to fill up Lake Michigan before the guy even... Oh, man. Anyway, so they're talking about it, you know, Ladies and gentlemen, we have this woman by the name of Polarita. She is inside the jail cell, and so far we have lost the lives of several men. One of them was one of the jailers. He was killed by some unseen presence while she was, you know, bound to the chair inside of her jail cell. And all this stuff is going on. It's a big deal. They've got, you know, all these Catholic and Lutherans coming in from different parts of the world because they're going to come here and try to help get this demon out of this woman, Clarita, inside the jail cell while people are dying and the jailers and the guards are just dropping over dead. It's really happened. It's all over the world. It's a big deal. Lester was listening to this and it was like his least favorite thing about serving God. As a matter of fact, he didn't even want to serve God at all. When he was young, uh, the the uh, the Lord he had a supernatural experience, and the Lord said, I, I, "You are going to become a preacher." And he was like a rebel, you know. He didn't want nothing to do with that. Anyway, you know how the Lord works. One thing leads to another. Next thing you know, wait, what happened? Huh, I'm a preacher, <laughs> kind of like that. Sort of like when my mom told me when I was ten years old in '72 that I would be a single well-known end times preacher. Of course, I went through the next 40 years completely oblivious to that. (laughs) And now I'm like, oh oh my, it came through. Sort of like Lester Summerall. But anyway, he was in this hotel room in Manila. And this is so biblical. But, you know, the thing about it is, I just read the scriptures. When it, when it, when an unclean spirit comes out of a man, he goes through dry places and seeks, you know, and, and you know, and, and, he, and he seeks to seeking rest, and he finds none. And then he gets seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. In the last state, the man is worse than the first. So shall it be with his wicked generation. But there's more to the story. I want to share that with you. There's more to the story because I read those books. Because everything that's in the Bible is true, but not everything that's true is in the Bible. The Lord says to Lester Summerall, and he hated spiritual warfare. He hated it. He loved to preach. He loved to help people. He loved to be, you know, he loved to bring people to, to Jesus and save souls and travel around the world and all that kind of stuff. And he went all over the world. 
Asia, mountains, you know, uh, you know, all over the world, all over the world. Anyway, but he made it clear. He was like, oh, no, 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 Lord, I don't want nothing to do with that. I mean, you know, he's listening to it and he's like kind of freaking out. Like, this is really scary stuff, you know, because, of course, you know, back in those days, the uh, TV, or I'm sorry, these these old radios were like at the Ed Sullivan show. I mean, this was a big, big deal. And I was saying, you know, and they were telling them, everybody was listening, what was happening with this woman. Nowadays, you'd never hear about it. You can find stuff like this on YouTube. It's very uh, common in the Lat- Latino um, countries. Very, very common. Demon, uh, Overt demon possession. Linda, Linda Blair, head spinning around, all that kind of creepy weirdness. Very, very um, pervasive in the Latino countries, Mexico, that kind of stuff, South America. That's because they, they, they mix... The Catholics went in and proselytized those countries, and they never stopped practicing their magic black voodoo Santeria stuff. So what they did was they mixed Santeria and um, uh, you know voodoo arts and things like that with their Catholic practices, which of course Catholic practices are about as satanic as you can get in general. Okay, so they were really just making up a, a pope of evil satanicness and and just slathering themselves in it. So no wonder that the Latino countries are so full of demon, overt, overt demon possession. There are a lot of people that are possessed by demons that don't know it. I'm talking about the kinds where they're like, like this Clarita woman. And, and Lester's like, no, Lord, I don't want to do that. I want nothing to do with it. And see, this was where I learned something fantastic because I've had so many Christians, including my own sister, tell me, well, Johnny, if you don't do what the Lord says, he'll just find somebody else. That, by the way, is a popular evangelical saying. It's unscriptural as can be, but, you know, evangelicals are world famous for making up things, entire doctrines that don't exist in the Bible. But anyway, the Lord said to Lester, when Lester said, oh, no, 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 oh, no, 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 I'm not going anywhere near that jailhouse, Father. And um, the Lord said to Lester, Lester, I have no one else to send. Our Heavenly Father laid a guilt trip on him. <laughs> like, this is great. This is way better than Ed Sullivan. So anyway, um, that's what the Lord told him. I have no one else to send. Because the Catholic priests, they're completely impotent. They think they're casting demons out, but they're not. The demons are just playing along. It's very temporary. They come right back. <clears throat> um, you know, the Lutherans forget it. The demons will just kill them. <laughs> I'll just kill them. Um, at least the Catholics are holding a cross up in the Bible, you know. So they at least got a fighting chance to survive the situation. But anyway, um, the fa- our father said, Lester, I have no one else to send. And Lester was like, okay, I'll go. 
I think the father, our father even said, I will make sure you get the church in Manila if you do that. Kind of like, you know, quid pro quo. <laughs> anyway, so Lester, like, reluctantly goes down to the jailhouse and says, Hi, I'm a, you know, I serve the Lord. I serve the Lord Jesus, and he told me to come here and help this woman out. And, you know, by this time, this has been going on for weeks, and a lot of people died, and a lot of preachers from all over, all walks of life, failed, and just it was just a debacle. And they were they let him come in after much to do, and he went in there, and it was not easy. Let's just leave it at that. It went on for days. Um, you know, in the name of the Lord Jesus, come out, come out. I mean, he was back and forth with his thing, and she was like thrusting her body back and forth. I mean, it was just like in the movies. And he was like determined, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out. Out, out, you filthy spirit in Jesus' name. Well, after, think about Two days or three days of this back and forth, the demon left. And, oh, boy, they broadcast it all over the place. I mean, all the radios. And now we have this man here by the name of Lester Summerall, and this demon has left this woman, Clarita. She has been delivered. And it's all over the radios and just echoing across the world. Everybody's glued to it like a baseball game. And Lester's like, oh, thank God this is over. So he gets, he, he leaves, and of course now this gives him clout, and he gets a audience with the governor of Manila and cuts a deal for the church. Oh, wouldn't you know it? Clarita gets repossessed. People are dying again. And Lester's going, what the heck is... You know, and he's like, okay, he's like, what is going on here? Now, remember, he just cut a deal with the governor. He wants that church. Clarita's like, she's back to being old Clarita with her demons. There's seven other spirits more evil than the original. They entered and dwelled there. And the last state of Clarita was worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation, Clarita. And Lester's going, what the? So he goes back reluctantly to the jail. And he goes back in. And he goes back at it. And he's fighting with the demon in Jesus' name. Get out, get out, get out, get out. Back and forth, back and forth. And the demon leaves. And I'm going to read you a quote from the book. He says, The demon in Jesus' name to tell me why they had returned. They spoke in English through her lips. She has not asked us to go. She wants us. It is only you who desires for us to leave. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? I hope you heard that. So then Lester says, again, I demanded that they leave Clarita 
uh, that, that they leave her. Clarita told me that they were gone through the window, she said. I explained to her why they returned and told her to tell them to leave her and never return. She did. Then I led her in prayer, pleading the blood of Jesus against them. It was about noon. Clarita was weak from the ordeal. I told the prison officials to let her rest and give her food. As I was leaving, I said, Clarita, I am sure these devils will return again. After I am gone, they will come. Then you must order them to leave without me being here to help you. You must say, go in Jesus' name, and they will obey. And with that, I left the prison compound. From the book, Sumrall, Lester, The Life Story of Lester Sumrall, S-U-M-R-A-L-L. And there you have a real, absolutely, I mean, this is history. You can you can even search the internet. I mean, you don't even have to read the book. This stuff is out there. This was a very big deal. And guess what? This explains the mystery associated with what Jesus was speaking in Luke. I'm sorry, in Matthew twelve forty-three to forty-five right there but guess what it tells you more see how many churches out there first pretty much 99.9 percent of them don't even cast demons out anymore and don't even believe in the don't even oh just a mess out there it's just a mess out there oh man if we are not like moments before jesus returning i will be absolutely in a complete state of stupefaction I don't think the world could have could digress and become any more messed up as it is. But anyway, that being said, we learned even more. See, not only does the person need to accept Jesus into their heart and confess of all of their sins and practice, you know, righteousness. First John three seven: He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he Jesus is righteous. Not only do they have to do that, because they can't be part of the evil and wicked generation, otherwise they open up the doors to allow them to re-enter. But, as we've learned from what happened to Lester, they have to stand up for themselves, too. But I can tell you that in the 40 years that I was in and out of the Pentecostal and Assembly of God churches out there, no one ever said a word about this. They would cast out the demons and send the person out the door and say, oh, by the way, don't forget to come and join us at our Sunday service. We'll see you at 8 o'clock. You know what would happen? Demons would come back. You know how I know? Because I know a guy. I met him. I wrote an article a long time ago entitled, I mean, it was like for real. It was like almost 12 years ago. And uh, the name of the article was entitled, a little white church on a Wednesday night. And it was a true story 
all but the white part. <laughs> I, that that was you know um, literary license, but um, it was a story about a man who is deeply and heavily possessed by demons. And every single night, he was horrified by them, terrified, hadn't slept in like who knows how long. Because they would manifest in his bedroom. Now, of course, they plagued him during the day as well, but at night it was, it was especially horrific. And this, and of course, in this situation, you know, he, he would self-medicate because he was so horrified and he hadn't slept in so long. He was incapable of working. I mean, this was absolutely destroyed his life. And his girlfriend decided to take him to the church that I was going to called Bay Life Christian Church. You can even look it up on the Internet. Bay Life Assembly of God. Off of Sheldon Road in Tampa. And his girlfriend brought him in there completely disheveled, absolutely looking like he rolled off the back of a dump truck, and, you know, and just a mess. And she, he, she literally drug him in there, you know, hand over the shoulder, you know, helping him walk, that kind of thing. And they, you know, as assembly of God, you know, so they're, they're, they're pretty good at what they do, but they're only pretty good. They're not as good as they ought to be. And, um, but they were good enough for him for, at the moment. But here's what happened. They saw the situation. They knew the guy was demon-possessed. They got their word of knowledge before he even got up to the pulpit. But, and they gathered around just as they ought to have had, done uh, as the elders of the church laid hands on him, cast the demons out, and it was a miracle. And the guy just like, night and day. I mean, it was like he was fine and happy and full of joy and excited. But they came back. <laughs> they surely, surely did. They came back. Why? Because the guys, the elders at that assembly of God did not know that they needed to teach the man to fight back. And also to practice righteousness. All scriptural and bar none, the most important thing that they should have told this guy. Essentially, they put him in a desperately dangerous, life-threatening situation without even realizing it. How do I know? Somehow the Lord figured out a way to get this guy to come over to my house. I have no idea. I don't remember the circumstances. I don't, I don't, I just don't, I don't remember. But I do remember that he was coming over to the house for a while and he told me the entire story. And at that time, I did not know what I know right now. Or else I would have been able to counsel him. So I, I don't really remember what the, what ultimately ended up happening or if he even continued to go back to the church on a regular basis. Actually, I think he did not. And I and and then eventually, you know, 
it wasn't like we became, you know, best friends forever kind of thing. He, he kind of went on his way and, you know, I don't know what became of him, but I did for quite some, for several weeks, he, you know, him, I, I don't remember if his girlfriend came with him or not. Of course, the very term girlfriend implies that the demons will have a right to reenter him. The very term in the, you know, in, in the 20th and 21st century post 1960s, the term girlfriend implies that he was living in sin. So right off the bat, he was a sitting duck, no matter what. Even if he would have fought that, he was a sitting duck. It wouldn't have mattered. He'd have to get rid of that girlfriend or at least stop doing stuff, which, of course, is never going to happen. I know I've heard testimonies from people who said, oh, no, 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 we're, we're, you know, we don't, we don't do nothing. She's my girlfriend, but we're, you know, I'm like, okay, God bless you. And God bless them if they pull it off, praise God. But even Paul said, you know, I would want you to, you know, not take those virgins and not get married. I'd I think it would be better off if you'd stay single. But because there is sexual immorality in the church, it's perfectly fine if you want to take your burden. Whatever. So, praise God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the mercies by which you allow us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable as our spiritual service of worship to you. Father, it is not our will to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may pre- prove to be good, acceptable, and perfect to what your will is for our lives. By grace given to us, show us how not to esteem ourselves more or less important to the body of Christ than another. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the spiritual gifts that have been given to us, that we may prophesy in proportion to our faith, Teach others according to your love, to according to your word, to give liberally, to lead with diligence, and to show mercy and cheerfulness. Father God, show us how our love can be without hypocrisy. Teach us to hate evil and to cling to what is good. Teach us, Father, to be kind and affectionate to one another, to honor and to give to one another, not lagging and being hesitant and diligent, but fervent in spirit to serve you, Father. Father God, help us to rejoice in hope, be patient through tribulation, challenges, trials, awful things, trauma. And Father, we will continue in providing for the needs of the saints, being truly given to hospitality. We will bless those who curse and persecute us. We will rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We will be of the same mind toward one another and not set our minds on high things, but associate ourselves with the humble. Be wise in our own opinions, and we will not repay anyone evil for evil. For your word says, repay evil with good. We will not give place to wrath, but we will wait on you, Lord, for vengeance is yours. Therefore, we shall live peacefully with all people and be overcomers through Christ. Father, we will offer drink to a thirsty enemy and food 
to one that is hungry, that we may abide in your word forever. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you next Friday, Lord willing. Oh, and I have, I have to travel for work. Just an FYI, I have to travel for work. The week of Monday, May 9th, and the week of Monday, May the 16th. So unfortunately, uh, the prayer vigils are in. I don't know. I don't. I might be able to do the the first the first week I mentioned. I might be back in time to do that one, but the next one I won't. Anyway, God's will be done. God bless you all. See you next Wednesday. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride. Set her free Watch us as we trim our wicks Our lamps are full Our hearts are right Like those five white virgins we will be